Welcome to the Change Something Podcast, where we recognize that we all have 168 hours in one week. How will you leverage it? How will you use it not only for your own good, but for the good of your city? On this podcast, we'll speak with psychologists, chiropractors, teachers, truckers, first responders, writers, and all sorts of professionals every month for 15 minutes or less to provide tools and tips to not only better your life, but to help you participate in the good of your city. My name is John Ju, and I'm glad that you are joining us. Today, I have a really special guest with me. Her name is Heather Hansen, and she serves as an American Sign Language interpreter at Horace Mann School for the Deaf and Hard of Hearing near Boston, Massachusetts. Heather also interpreted for Cheong Ju in our first episode of this two-part miniseries where we hope to understand deaf community and culture more clearly. Well, before we dive into how you would encourage our listeners and before you provide a tip, can you just tell us uh, what does your typical day look like? How did you end up in your career? So I'm actually a second generation American Sign Language interpreter. Uh, my mom. Oh, cool. Yeah, my mom uh, was one, and so I had exposure to it growing up. I interacted a lot with other deaf people my age, and when I finally got mm. to college, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but I knew that interpreting was an option, and sure enough, kind of fell right into it. Also. So, what does your typical day look like? Yes. Yeah, so before the virus and currently look very different. Pretty much my job is a staff interpreter at the school. So it's a school for the deaf, which means all the students there have somewhat of a hearing loss. And then majority of the staff can communicate in American Sign Language. So for those people who do not, um, I interpret some staff meetings. Oftentimes we have district meetings, school visitors, some field trips. The other aspect of my job, um, after the school day is done, I tend to freelance out in the community. And that means I can work anywhere from medical appointments to business meetings, to trainings, to college classes, to really anything you can ever imagine um, people have requested an interpreter for. So it's a really cool part of my job where I get to get outside and meet people and do things um, that I wouldn't normally do but it puts me in a variety of different settings and situations. And then the other um, bulk of my work is something called video relay service, which is essentially how deaf people um, uh, use the phone. So I go into a call center and I sit in my cube and I see the deaf person through a video phone, which is like FaceTime. And then I can hear the person through their who they're calling through a headset. So I just then interpret phone calls. So it's ordering pizza, conference calls, calling mom and dad, um, a variety of different things that just happen in a moment's notice. I'm actually just really lucky that I get to be a part of it. Um, I, deaf people let me into mm -hmm. their lives. You know, I'm really in their lives from birth to death and, and anywhere in between. Yeah. So I'm very lucky that people allow me to be a part of their most vulnerable parts of their lives. Yeah, that's such a helpful framework to think about because really there is such intimacy connected with our communication, right? There's the gamma of ordering pizza all the way to the hard conversation that you might be having with somebody that you love or you care about. Yes, definitely. So you're there for the high highs and the low lows and can be very intimate. And so it's really mm. lucky that I get to be a part of that um, and that they let me in. Well, in August 2019, 
American Sign Language interpreter Amber Gallego was working alongside rapper Twister, described by The Roots as the fastest rapping MC in the world, and it went viral. And according to an op-ed from CNN, not only did thousands of people share this video of Gallego interpreting and praised her for her speed and accuracy, but the writer of this op-ed, Lilith Marcus, she said, do you understand anything that the signer is saying? And if the answer is no, I want you to think before you share that video, especially if you're doing it to feel more engaged with the deaf community. Because when you treat other languages like fun, exotic modes of performance, instead of like utilities, you're appraising people who interpret for the deaf while ignoring the deaf. And she goes on to even say, too many hearing people see signing as a performance art instead of a living, a breathing language that many people use to communicate basic thoughts and needs every single day. Can you help us understand that thought process a bit? Uh, because I'm sure that there may have even been some listeners who are listening right now who share that video. Yes, definitely. I think it's important, just as I was just talking about, that interpreters are in deaf people's lives. So although Amber is interpreting sure. because it's her job, right? She's interpreting for the fastest rapping MC in the world, and her job is to convey <laughs> that. <laughs> so she's doing that, essentially, which is amazing that she's able to provide access in that way. But I think that that's the important piece is that she's providing access. And access is a right. It's not a privilege. Mm. So when things like that are shared, it becomes a novelty. And it's really unfortunate because then it becomes more about the interpreter and uh, it becomes a performance. And really, that's not what we strive to do. Mm. We're not performers. It takes away from the fact that interpreters, like I said, I'm allowed to be in the lives of people because they let me in, because they let me. Yeah. So I think that that just really takes away from it. Um, especially now we're seeing lots of people in the spotlight with all of the press conferences that are being interpreted, which for the record is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't historically always been people on screens providing that kind of access. Sure. And so now, you know, people are seeing that, which is great, but it's important that we make sure that they're there to provide access. Right now, it's a crucial time and people need to know what's going on. Yeah. And I do think that differentiation is so helpful between novelty and access. And I'm sure mm -hmm. many folks who share that video had good intentions, but their framework was never in that duality of novelty versus access. It was more of, oh yeah, this is a cool video, so I'm just going to share it. And not really understanding the impact it was having on the deaf community and culture. Right. And at least my intention as an interpreter, I never, I'm never trying to get on YouTube or the <laughs> sure. latest, you know, <laughs> someone's it's live Instagram. That's never our intention. Um, but because of the world that we live in today, it happens. At the end of the day, we're there. If there weren't any deaf people or there wasn't a right for language access, then we would never be there and it would never be a thing. So I think it's really important that we always bring it back to that. Yeah. And I really do love this idea about being an ally and supporting a community that feels marginalized and underserved. Right. So accessibility is really important. For example, captions, those are so common. Sure. And wheelchair ramps, braille, people don't really go around posting that on their latest Instagram stories sure. or sharing those live on Facebook. So that's kind of one way to view it is that it is accessibility and that's what we're striving to do. Yeah, no, I think that's very, very helpful. So if I understand correctly, there's still heated debates on whether students should be taught using American Sign Language, which is a language distinct from English with its own grammatical rules and vocabulary, 
or through a form of contact signing in which signs are used following rules for English syntax. Now, the controversy among scholars and researchers have led many schools to establish language policies to mandate whether interpreters should interpret into ASL or transliterate, which means to produce a more literal rendition of the spoken English using ASL signs while emphasizing the vocabulary, syntax, and pronunciation. Now, these language policies often become directives for sign language interpreters. What are your thoughts on this as an interpreter? This is a really good question to talk about. I'll start by saying that if you haven't listened to the first part of this series with Ji Young, uh, she touches briefly on this. So I think that make sure you go back and listen to her perspective on this as well. And then as far as philosophy goes, I'm not best suited to comment on it. I'm not, I don't have the educational background on how to educate children with a hearing loss. Sure. However, as an interpreter, we do follow something called the Individualized Education Plan. And that's given to any student who's qualified for one under the Individuals with Disability Education Act. Okay. And so the interpreters can be a part of the team. There's normally a team of evaluators who creates this IEP and will decide decisions like that. And then, like you said before, it's really important to notice that there's two different languages, ASL right. and English. And so interpretation looks different between those. So for our listeners who might not know, can you give an example of a sentence and what it would be like in English compared to ASL when you interpret it? Yes. So for example, uh, I visited my grandma yesterday. So if you transliterate that sentence, you would sign a version of I visited, which would be the sign for visit, and then a showing of past tense, and then my and grandma signed individually in yesterday, right. as opposed to ASL, it would be yesterday, and then I visited grandma. So it's just rearranging of the grammatical structure. In addition, it doesn't do it justice because I'm lacking the biggest part, which is my facial expressions. <laughs> That's grammar in its entirety in ASL. And so um, you guys can't see that, which takes away from the actual message. How come the people who are in the transliteration camp are viewing ASL from a negative light? Or why would they say, hey, we need to get rid of ASL and have our interpreters just transliterate from English to English, so to speak? Yeah, so it's it's a really heavy philosophical debate, and um, it happens a lot within the deaf community. The really interesting part about all of this is that if you were to change out ASL with Spanish... Mm there wouldn't be this debate. <laughs> you would allow children to speak Spanish and English. So if you just, you know, change out that, oh, now it's a deaf student who can't hear, right? So they already are struggling to pick up auditory language because they're at a deficit to begin with. But instead of making it a deficit, you can make it a gain by making them bilingual and being able to have two full languages. That's such an interesting thought. Yeah, thinking about it from the paradigm of Spanish and English and then ASL and English and how we wouldn't have those same expectations on a bilingual Spanish-English speaking student, then we wouldn't have these frames and maybe limitations. Correct. Right. And so that's the biggest kind of debate. There's research proven that 
Uh, you pick up American Sign Language in the same part of the brain as you pick up all other spoken languages. And a lot of people don't understand that, that it's not the process of the modality. So visual versus spoken. Mm. It's actually the process in which the fact that it's just language. That's how your brain takes it in. So a lot of people didn't know that. And that's a huge myth. Really, and communication is messy in general. I think we forget that often, right. that I think you're going to be understanding what I'm saying, even though you have your own thoughts, your own filters, your own experiences, which is how you're taking in that language. It's important to note that English isn't the native language of a lot of deaf people. So ASL is there to, like we talked about, provide access, but also in someone's native language. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that's so hard for many people to understand unless you are bilingual or you speak multiple languages, what it's like to not communicate in your native tongue and right. the challenges that come naturally because of that. Mm -hmm. So in light of what you do and the deaf community you advocate for, well, what is one thing that you would like to say to our hearing friends? Yes. Yeah, so oftentimes when I tell people what I do for work, the answer is always like, oh, I've always wanted to learn sign language. So I want to tell you guys to do it. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Now's the time. While we're, yes. you know, have a little more time on our hands, maybe, depending. But um, there's lots of awesome resources out there. There's a lot of local deaf organizations throughout the United States that offer community ASL classes. There's online classes through Gallaudet University, too, and other different organizations. So I really think that that's important to just actually learn some sign language and to learn about the deaf community. You know, that's so good. I've heard that many times as well. I wish I could or I want to learn sign language. And what a great challenge that you're putting out today. And the Gallaudet University resource page and other resource pages where you might be able to be linked to learn sign language. I'll put that all in the show notes as well. And so let's really take this opportunity, if you're listening to this podcast, to take that next step if you've been wanting to. Yes, absolutely. Well, Heather, thank you so much for not only this episode and helping us to better understand deaf community and culture, but for the previous episode as well, and for your ongoing work in being an advocate and providing access for our deaf communities. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate you guys having me today. Absolutely. Have you been wanting to learn sign language, another language, or a skill for the good of your community, but have been putting it aside? What if you actually clicked on the link in the show notes, carved out half an hour each week to learn that new language for someone who feels marginalized, or apply the new skill for the good of your community? What might that change? Now is the time. Let's be the good. Let's go change something.